end up all over this house. We have the book of Joel, the word of the Lord. If you got Joel, shout, I got it. If you need a second, say, hold on a second. I want to, I want to share a couple of, of thoughts uh, directly related to uh, what God is, is challenging and pushing us to. I think that we are, um, I think that what God is trying to say to us uh, is, is something that is both a declaration but also very prophetic. I, th I believe that what God wants me to share today is a challenge to some of us. Um, but at the beginning of the year, it is important for us to give great declarations as much as it is important for us to give sermons. So I don't want to be sermonic today. I want to be more prophetic today. Amen. Now, the prophetic requires a disposition. It requires a disposition because the prophetic, if it is going to be honoring to God, it has to be received by the people of God. The prophetic has to be received by the people of God. I just, I, I'm not into just declaring just to show y'all how deep I am. I'm into declaring because I believe that God wants us to absorb what he is sharing and what he is trying to speak to us so that it can govern our lives. So I, I, I feel in the spirit that God is wanting us to be prophetic today and not just sermon, not just tell sermons and uh, to, in the position, the disposition to receive what the word of the Lord is, is saying. Amen. All right. Let's jump into the book of Joel uh, real quick. And it, it's a. Um, it's a powerful text of scripture. It will lay the foundation of the themes for our 2020. And we're going to start reading in verse 25. It simply says this. Listen to what the Lord is saying. He said, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Somebody shout years. He said, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty. Somebody shall plenty and be satisfied. Somebody shall satisfied. I, I want you to hear what he just told them. He says, and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Somebody shout, he's been good to me. Say that loud. Shout, he's been good to me. Now, before we keep reading, I need you to understand what he's saying. He's saying that, He's saying that I have dealt wondrously with you. But, but remember the backdrop of him saying that. He's saying that the, the locust has eaten everything. And you don't have anything. But I have dealt wondrously with you. I, did you hear what I just said? Do you see? He said that even though everything has been eaten and everything, they are right now in a state of destitute. And God is telling the prophet to tell people that even though it felt like a mess... I've been good to them. Are you hearing what I just said to you? I, I'm trying to tell you, I don't know what your last 10 years were like, but even if they felt like a mess, God's been good to you. Even if you lost stuff, God's been good to you. Even if you lost people, God has been good to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God is saying that no matter what happens in your life, he deserves a praise because if he let it happen, he has dealt wonderfully with you. Watch what he says now. Verse, he says, and my people will never be put to shame. Somebody shout never. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never. Somebody shout never. Somebody shout never. Never be put to shame. And the word of the Lord is blessed. I want you to find three people and I want you to tell them that this is your year of reestablishment. This is your year. This is your year. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless you, God. I bless you for the word. I thank you for the prophetic utterance. I thank you, God, that in this moment and in this time that you are speaking to your children and you're speaking to us in a in a in a very direct space in a tone that speaks to the sense of urgency in which you are trying to operate your promise in our life father i pray and i thank you for this timeless message this timeless word and i, I pray that first and foremost you would give me an anointing to remove myself and to allow you to speak to your children and father secondly i pray for there be to be an anointing in this house that allows for those that are hearing to remove themselves and receive what the Spirit of God is saying. 
Father, in this moment, it is more important that we not be fixated to what is happening by our televisions and what's not what is being given to us from the left or the right side of life. But God, it is imperative that we hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. So Father, as I preach slash prophesy this message over your people, I pray that transformation from the Spirit into our hearts will be done and that our, our foundation for the next 10 years of our lives will be set. And it's in this that I give your name all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, let the church of the living God shout amen. Amen. You can be seated in the God's presence, but smile at somebody. Tell them it's just church. It's just church. It's just church. He's not that deep. It's just church. This church. Uh, this is our theme for 2020, the year of reestablishment. Will you say the year of reestablishment? This is, this is our theme for 2020. This is what we're going to be doing all year long. We will be discussing and talking, and we will be anticipating God to reestablish things in our lives. The, the way that God operates and the way that God moves is that God uh, never forgets what he's spoken. God never forgets what he promised. God never forgets what he has declared. And God is so God that he said that if he said it, it is impossible for it not to happen. One of the keys to holding on to a promise that God has given is to be certain what God said. Not to just be excited because a pastor said it or because your prayer warrior helped you say it or because you read it in some horoscope book. God says that you must be certain what I've said because what God has spoken is the only thing God has obligated himself to perform in this earth. And God has spoken over your life. God has spoken promises over your life. God has spoken things that he, he told the prophet, before I formed you, I knew you. Which means that God, before he even formed you, there were things that he had spoken and promised your life. It is a part of your life's journey to walk through life and allow life to unveil to you doors that reveal God's promises on the other side. If you stop walking, the promise stops being revealed. If you stop moving forward, the revelation of God's promises start to cease. This is why it's important. It's not that God hasn't given promises if you stop walking. And what happens when we get hurt, what happens when we fail, what happens when things don't go our direction, is not that we stop living, we just stop walking. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? It's not that we give up living, we just give up movement. And movement is key to God's blessing over your life. You must move forward. Somebody shall move forward. Somebody shall move forward. You, can't, you don't move in a tizzy. You don't frustrate the circle you're in. This season was meant to be moved out of, not to be lived in. I'm going to say that again. The seasons of your life were meant to be experienced and moved out of, not for you to experience and settle and build a tent in it. One of the reasons why there's so much pain in our lives is not because God is trying to teach you any more lessons other than the lesson that says you've been here too long. There are some of us that have gone through so much stuff that we, don't, we think that our life sentence is to go through stuff. And God is saying, no, I'm not trying to give you a life sentence of going through drama. What I'm trying to get you to do is move on. I'm trying to get you to find a new set of people to be around, trying to get you to find a new job, trying to get you to find a city that honors you. I'm trying to get you to move to a place that is befitting of who I've called you to be and what you're supposed to do in this earth. But we have become comfortable with where we are and we like our comfort more than we like our progress. And progress will frustrate us. Uh, the lack of progress will frustrate us. But we like comfort more than we, li than, than we, than we uh, uh, like the dissatisfaction of being uncomfortable. So God just keeps turning up the heat to get you to move. Are you finding what I'm saying? What happens when we stay in a place too long is unfortunately the thing that was good eventually becomes bad. Do you remember when the children of Israel uh, were in Egypt? Do you remember how they got to Egypt? The Bible says that Joseph was in Egypt and Joseph found favor with the Egyptian kings and the Egyptian kings that Joseph found favor with allowed Joseph to bring his family. Who was his family? Jacob. He brought Jacob into the, ho into the house of Egypt and they grew 
Jacob grew. The family of God grew. The family of Abraham grew. The family of Isaac grew. The family of Jacob grew. The family of Joseph grew in Egypt. They had so much favor, the Bible says, that Jacob, that Joseph's family prospered in Egypt like they had never prospered at any point in time in their life. But then the Bible said that there grew a Pharaoh that did not know or respect Joseph the way that the last Pharaoh did. And what ended up happening, by the time you get to the book out of Genesis, the, the children of Israel are flourishing and multiplying in, in Egypt. But when you get to the book of Exodus, what has happened is they have degenerated down from being prosperous into being slaves. The book of Exodus opens up and the children of Israel are slaves in Egypt. How did that happen? How did it happen that in one season they were prosperous and blessed? In another season, they were the slaves in the same space. It wasn't because uh, Egypt grew more powerful. It wasn't because uh, there was something wrong with the mentality of the Israelites. What happened was for years, God had been trying to get the children of Israel to move out of Egypt. That Egypt was just a season of their life, not the whole of their life. And, what, and the only problem that Egypt did or that Israel did is that they stayed in a good place too long. And you can stay in a good place too long. And sometimes for us, our good place is in our 20s or our good place is during our high school years. And you're 40, but you spend all your time talking about college. Y'all not talking back to me in this place. You, are you hearing what I'm saying? You spend all your time talking about the person you're not married to. I'm going to help you in here. You spend all your time talking about the church you came from. That's all you do. So it's, it's not that you, God has not forwarded our lives, but we are insisting that we are going to live in a season that we're no longer uh, anointed to prosper in. So this is the way that God works. And this is what has happened now to the children of Israel by the time we get to the book of Joel. Because the fruit, rotten fruit, most of the time, rotten fruit are simply pieces of fruit that stayed on the vine past its ripe date. When you go and pick it and it's mushy, it was supposed to come off. It was supposed to transition from the tree into your kitchen. But because you left it in a place that nurtured it, my God, you left it in a place that gave it nutrients. You left it in a place, but, it, but what happens is as the nutrients layer on top of layer and vitamin on top of vitamin, what happens is eventually they begin to spoil packed with vitamins, spoiling in the center because they were in a good place too long. In a good place too long. And that's what happens to some of us at church. We just stay in church and get all this spiritual fill, 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 and then we rot. That ain't our church. That's somebody else's church. But so it, what ends up happening is they found themselves in a space where in, by the time we get to Joel, they were in a good place and they had been there too long. And we don't know why the Bible teaches us this in the book of Joel, but apparently a swarm of locusts came and, and in a matter of hours, the land that the children of Egypt, the children of Israel were in that had plus trees and plus water and plus grounds, within a matter of hours, swarms of locusts came and they just they, they, they descended on all of the, the vegetation and ate up all the vegetation. And what was left was stalks that had no corn. And there were, there were uh, stalks that had no beans. And there were grounds that had no vegetation. And in a matter of hours, they looked up and were in a blessed season and now they were in what felt like a cursed season and the Bible doesn't tell us why it happened but let me tell you something about life all life needs is one event of your life and your whole life can be turned upside down I wish I was preaching to somebody all it takes is one person to make a decision about you and your whole life can be turned upside down it takes one person to say I don't want you no more and your whole life turned upside down one boss to say I got somebody else instead of you and your whole life be turned upside down one friend that chooses to take the friend that you thought was your friend forever and your life turns upside down don't you cannot play with life and the decisions of your life and the people you allow in your life because sometimes your life can be turned upside down and it not even be a decision you made am I preaching to anybody in here 
Am I preaching to anybody in here? I, I have come to the conclusion that I am not going to live my life on fads. I'm not going to make my money on fads. I'm not going to preach my sermons on fads. I'm not going to run my church on fads because a fad will fill up your church. But the problem with fads is that they change every summer. And before you realize it, what filled up your church in one summer has emptied out your church in another summer. That is why God says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever more. God says, I work. I work in every season. I work in every family. I work in every culture. I work in every time. I work in every year. I work. And if you can stick with me, you will not have the ups and downs of the fads of your journey, but you can have stability in every season of your life. That's why he told them, I have been good to you when the season of your prosperity changed. He said that. So it's important that we understand. I want to give you a couple things that I want you to write down and I want you because God is trying to stabilize somebody's life in here. God is trying to get somebody to a place where they trust him even when the water gets rocky. God is trying to get us into a place because there is a promise he's spoken over your life. He is committed to bringing that promise to pass, but he needs you to stay on the boat and not get off when the water gets choppy. And the church said, and the church said, I want you to notice how God starts to, to, starts to deal with them. Now, now it, it's kind of important that we understand a prevailing feature of the book of Joel. A prevailing feature of the book of Joel are locusts. Somebody shout locusts. Locusts are an interesting thing. They're an interesting animal. They are, they are an interesting creation of God. And locusts are a, are a metaphor of, of unique things in the Bible. You have to understand the way the Bible uses the term locust and uses the animal locust. Locust, in some seasons, is actually seen as a fruitful example for God to speak about prosperity and to speak about discernment and to speak about doing things that you should not be doing. But when the wind of God blows on you, you can do it. That is a powerful way that the Bible uses the animal locust. But locust is also seen in the negative context in Scripture as well. You remember when Moses. Moses had to go and have his conversation with the Pharaoh. He said, let my people go. When the Pharaoh refused to let God's people go, one of the plagues that came and descended on Egypt was swarms of locusts. We realize that locusts in the Bible is a positive thing, but is also seen as a negative thing. And we got to figure out in the scripture, in this particular passage, what is God trying to use the locust for? Is the locust a good thing or is the locust a negative thing? And how is it that there can be a thing that God uses that is both good and bad. We've got to try to figure out how can God use something that can bless him in one minute and then do things that don't bless him in the next minute. We've got to kind of try to figure out how God can manage the contradiction of you being the most incredible Christian in the world and then on another moment, season, and time, you are the most horrible example of a kingdom example that God could ever create. We've got to kind of figure out how can God make locusts both bad and good and you don't have to look a whole lot further than your own life to see that God can because all of us got a little okay not you I'm talking to your neighbor next to you all of us got a little bit of stuff that God can use and then there's some stuff that God got to work us through right and and this is the, the challenge of the locust in this text is that where is God using it because you got to understand something about the locust is that the locust actually in the scripture represents spiritual things you've got to see this about the locust stay with me now because the locusts are do every time you see the locust in the bible he's always doing something that is miraculous the locust in the scripture is operating in the miraculous because we always see the locust flying the thing about locusts is that locusts, though they have wings, they cannot fly. They cannot just start from the ground and begin to move off onto flight the way that a bird can. They do not have the ability to fly, but every time you see the locusts, they are flying. Every time you find the locusts, they are descending into something. They are flying over something. They are flying into the crops or flying into the land. This is the thing about the locusts is that every time you see the locusts in the Bible, they are doing something that they should not be doing. Locusts fly, but they don't have the stuff in which they are capable of doing what it is that they do. That sounds kind of miraculous. The way that God, the way that the locust is able to fly is not because of the strength of his wings, but on the strength of his discernment. 
what the locust is able to do is the locust is able to discern when the wind comes when the wind blows what the locust now does is he he uses his strong legs to propel himself into a wind that he discerned was on its way he releases his wings his wings and his wings catch the wind and the wind moves the locust from one place to the next place are you hearing what i'm trying to tell you the way see for some of us we we don't really have the ability to do everything that god has anointed us to do but yet we're doing it uh, y'all not talking back to me some of us we don't have an ability we don't, we don't preach as good as people come and fill up a church and we don't pray as well as people that get healed from our prayers but what we have come to understand is that if i can wait on the wind of god to blow all I've got to do is have the discernment to get in the wind. Y'all are not talking back to me. Somebody shall get in the wind. Now, why, pastor, do you mean get in the wind? Because who is that? The wind is the spirit. Somebody shout the spirit. I need to teach you something, so stay with me because we have to learn before we dance. The spirit, pneuma, is the word that is used in the New Testament. Pneuma, watch this, it means spirit or it means ghost. This is why we call God the Holy Pneuma, the Holy Spirit, or some church contexts call him the Holy Ghost because pneuma or pneumata, however you want to, uh, whichever verb, uh, 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 verbiage you want to use pneumata means spirit or it means ghost pneumata also means wind so pneumata is the wind of God it also means breath somebody shout breath so pneuma, pneuma, when we study the pneuma, the holy pneuma, pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit or the holy breath or the holy wind or the holy ghost it means all of those things. So what the Bible teaches us about locusts is that when the pneuma begins to blow, what, what is required of the locust is that he discerns that the pneuma is blowing and that he gets in the pneuma and the pneuma takes him from glory to glory, from glory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you are not where you are today because you're good at what you do. Some of us are where we are today because we live from faith to faith to faith and God keeps taking us from glory to glory to glory. Y'all are not talking back in here. I, I need somebody to stop acting like you deserve it, like you did it, like you. The reality is that God did it. The reality is that God carried you. The reality is that if it had not been for the Lord on your side, you would be where you were. Somebody shall breathe on me. Now, the pneuma is just a, it just means spirit. So now in the New Testament, it differentiates the spirit from every other spirit and uses the word hagias, is the word holy. So now when the New Testament talks about the pneuma, he talks about hagias pneumata. In other words, holy spirit, hagias pneuma. Holy Spirit of God. The Hagias Numata blew on the on Adam. And when he breathed into Adam, Adam came to life. So now, watch this now. The Numa is not necessarily good. The Numa is just a dimension of existence. The Hagias Numa is the Holy Spirit that is existing in that dimension, which would make you understand that there is a Holy Spirit, and then there are spirits that are not holy. God tries to differentiate himself. If the Spirit was God, then God would just call himself the Numata. But the spirit is not God. The spirit is a dimension in which God has chosen to exist. And there are other spirits that exist in the spirit. And God says that I'm not like every spirit in the spirit. I am the Holy Spirit. I am the Numa, I am the Hagias within the Numata. But there are other Numata that exist in the spirit. And that's why you've got to be careful believing that every spirit is the spirit of God. 
God, I wish I had some help in here. Because, because the same locust that was a blessing to the psalmist when he got up in the air and was moved by God to be the example of the way that God moves his people is the same, is different than the, but has the same function as the locust that stripped down the promise of Israel in the book of Joel. So now we've got to determine which locust is of God and which locust is not of God. And that's why you can't come into the church house and let your guard down thinking that everybody that prophesies to you is prophesying in the Haggai's pneumata because there's another spirit, watch this, that does the same thing as the Holy Spirit and you've got to be able to discern is that from God or is that from man? Is that, y'all not talking back to me in this house. See, here's the problem is that the spirit is just a dimension and this is why Pentecostal charismatic churches get so many weirdos that come in under the guise of the spirit because we create an environment for spiritual things and in the spirit all kinds of witches and warlocks and pray y'all not talking back to me they come to your churches some of them might be sitting behind you or next to you don't look at nobody look at me look at me but they derive their power from a dark force that operates in the spirit and they mesmerize us because it seems like they get in the wind and they do things that they should not be doing but you've got to inspect the wind y'all not talking back to me you spend too much time inspecting the local when you need to inspect the wind don't look at the prophet look at where the prophet is getting their power from if I can't find that in the word of God I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen and one of the reasons why, why you don't have what God has promised you to have is because a prophet came and made you think that if you gave $39.99 that all your troubles would go away by the time you got home. He made you think that if you took their prayer cloth and put it on your pillow that all your sicknesses would go away. They tried to me. Y'all not talking back to me. They made you think that if they laid hands on you that it's going to turn over all your years of pork eating and all your years of fried chicken chicken and all your years that y'all not talking back to me that all I got to do is get to the house of the Lord and let the prophet lay his hands on me and my whole life is going to be changed but if that prophet is not speaking out of the word of God that produces the real miracles even though they are producing miracles it is not a miracle that you can expect God to put his stamp on y'all looking at me like no nobody can do miracles unless God allows them to do miracles do y'all remember the story of uh, I believe it was Peter and while Peter was walking there was a little girl uh, I believe it was Paul while Paul was walking there was a little girl walking behind him in the scripture of Acts and she was prophesying and she was telling them that these are men of God and she was mocking them because she was telling people their prophetic utter, their prophetic future before the men of God could tell them their prophetic future and there was a group of men behind her that was making money off of the little girl and they were telling the little girl you go and prophesy people will pay you for the prophecy and we'll all get paid we'll give you your cut that's in the Bible and what happened is the men of God turned around and looked at the little girl and now the problem was is that it wasn't wrong what she was prophesying but they had the discernment to realize that that locust is different than this locust that the wind that she operates in is different from the wind that we operated in and the prophet looked at her and said Satan come out of her now you've got to understand how this works is that when Satan comes out of the girl the girl is set free but the men just lost their money y'all are not talking back to me everybody is not going to be jumping up and down because you have made up your mind in 2020 that I'm going to let God go govern my destiny and not these men of God to govern my destiny I'm going to let God speak into my life and not these women of God speaking into my life I want you to know something about God in 2020 20, God is going to use the least likely folk to speak into your life. They are going to transform your life and you better be able to receive people that don't have a collar, people that don't have a position, people that don't have a title. Am I talking to anybody in this house? I need you to raise your voice and let me know you're here. 
All right, I need you to write this down. So what happens now in the book of Joel is that God says that if they can discern the kind of locust, the spirit that is operating, then I want them to remember this. He begins in chapter 1. He starts to tell them their promise because God always tells you your promise. God is always reminding you of who you should be, not who you are. Y'all not talking back to your boy in here. God always reminds you of what he told you about yourself. God God never takes your past and tells you and reminds you who you used to be. God is always looking forward. He's always telling you your better days are in front of you. He's always telling you that I called you the head and not the tail. He's always reminding you that I've got an anointing on your life and I want you to walk in it. He's always telling you I saw you wealthy and not this messed up and this broken. I saw you with good friends and not with the gossip crew. I, I call, God is always speaking towards your future and anybody that is destined to remind you of a season of your life where you operated in a lesser you you ought to tell them wrong locust you got y'all not talking back to me uh, you anytime somebody is going I remember when you didn't have I, I can't deal with you in 2020 I, who you think you are now I can't deal with you in 2020 you got the nerve to believe you can move out I can't deal with you in 2020 because if I'm walking with God I'm walking in in my future y'all I wish somebody helped me in this house see God you and here's the thing is you have to remember what God promised you some of us are chasing stuff and we don't know what the end looks like some of us are looking for something and we don't know what the end looks like nobody gets in their car and just drives and don't know where they're driving to why do you pray what are you expecting from God what are you hoping God does God already spoke it to your heart but if life comes in life will steal the dream right out of your mind and make you live from moment to moment and day to day this is the thing I love about God can I tell you what I love about God is that God says that I am a generational God I am the God of Abraham I am the God of Isaac and I'm the God of Jacob God says that I speak in generation I don't speak day to day I promised you that you would have daily bread but I prophesy out 10 20 40 years from the moment I birth dream in your spirit I'm talking in generations to you that's why he told them that if you get blessed your children's children should be blessed and what has happened is the world has stopped us from dreaming generationally and all we're doing is dreaming from day to day God if I could just make it tonight if I can just get through the evening if I could just get there and we fill our churches up on the message that God will help you from day to day well yes God will help you from day to day but God did not mean for you to dream from the night into the morning he meant for you to dream into the destinies of your children into the y'all not talking back to me here in this place but pastor I'm getting old now you ought to prophesy to your sons and daughters remind your children what God spoke over your life that God is not blessing them for their sake they are about to walk into a promise God gave you God y'all not talking back to me see you think that you're in a space where God is blessing you God is not even ready to bless you yet you only 45 years old God is still downloading stuff he promised your mama now and promised your I wish I had some help up in here see that's why you can't detach from people that's got the promise I'm mad at my daddy. You better go find your daddy and talk to him because he knows about the promise. I hate my mother. You better go find your mama. But I got a doctor. You better try to get on something.com and see can I connect because she knows about a destiny that you cannot experience. Y'all are not talking back to me in here. And yo, you don't have to keep starting over if you can stay connected. So, 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 so what God does is he reminds them of the promise. The second thing that God does in chapter one is he tells them this. And I know church folks don't like to talk about this part much. He tells them that not only am I going to give you the promise, but I need you to get into my, to get closer to me through the power of repentance. 
I, I, I knew I thought it would go quiet. Uh, the power of repentance. Repent means to change your mind about the way you've been doing it and adopt the way that God does it. Now, here's the problem with the way that God does it. Can I be transparent to the church for a second? There are some things that God tells us to do that I personally don't agree with what God thinks about the situation. That is a reality of all of our journey. There are some things that God is going to tell us to walk in that we're going to feel like, well, God, maybe you don't have all the facts. You don't understand. You want me to forgive somebody that I have made the estimation they are unforgivable. And I don't, and I don't think until I come to the point of forgiveness, I don't think you should hold me accountable from your law that says I should forgive. Y'all ain't talking back to me. Uh -huh. uh, there are some things that you read in the word of God and you say, God, it just doesn't seem like it fits because this is where our culture is today. It doesn't seem like that should work. So I feel some kind of way about the way that you want me to operate in. Now, here's the funny thing about God is that on one hand, miracles happen when there is agreement. But before there's agreement, God does reply, require compliance. There has to be compliance. And once there's compliance, compliance is the foundation by which agreement is built upon. Very few of us trust people just because they say it. And don't make yourself think you're so spiritual that you trust God just because he said it. We test God the same way we test each other. We ask God, God, you've got to show me this before I give that. God, you saying you're going to bless me and you telling me to sow a thousand dollars, but I want to see if you can do a miracle with my 500 before I give my thousand. That's the way we handle God. But God is saying that before there is agreement, I get it. You might not agree. He said, but first there must be compliance. And what repentance is, is not necessarily saying I agree, but it's saying God, I'll comply. It is saying God, I'll say it because you told me to say it. God, I'll do it because you you told me to do it. I don't get it, but God, I will change my mind about it as I am operating in obedience to it. Now, the church don't like the idea of obedience. The church doesn't like the idea of repentance. The church doesn't like, but watch what God said. He said, if my people who are called by my name, he said, if they'll humble themselves and pray, watch this. He said, turn from their wicked ways, repent. He said, then I will hear from heaven and I will hear their land. I wish I had some help in here. I need about 35 folk that are looking for their 2020 to be different than their 2019 to raise their voice and give God a praise because this God I'm going to enter into by repentance I said raise your voice and give God a I don't get it, but I'll comply to it. I don't understand it, but I'll repent for it. Who can ascend to the hill of the high God? He that has clean hands. Watch what he's saying. Watch what he's saying. He said clean hands and a pure heart. And a pure heart don't mean you lied to God to say, God, I believe you when you don't believe him. You're saying, God, I'll do it because you said I'll do it. And I'll believe as, as I move in my journey with you. I want you to watch what he says. The second thing he says we're about to do tomorrow for the next 21 days. After he told them to repent, he told them, he said, now I want you to go on a fast. He says, I want you to fast. It's important. I want you to read. Y'all ain't got to look at me like that. You can read your Bible yourself. He says, I want you to go on a fast. I want you to fast because fasting and consecrate yourself to me and give me my space to do something miraculous in your life. You got to understand fasting and praying work hand in hand. If you fast but don't pray, you're just on a 21-day diet. If you pray and don't fast, then you have given God something and you haven't moved into sacrifice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Prayer gives God the opportunity to invade your space. I think Dr. Monroe said that prayer is giving God permission to invade earthly territory. And that's what prayer is. So prayer has to happen. But fast is a sacrificial thing. Fasting is me taking things out of my life, the most basic of my substance, which is my food. And I'm telling God that I am using you as my sustenance, not my food. Now, it's not so that you can starve to death because some kind of way God's going to miraculously put nutrients in your body. That's not what's going to happen. You are going to find depletion and you're going to have to manage depletion while you're fasting. That is a part of the fasting. That is a part of the journey. And if you can't manage it, then you need to eat something in the name of Jesus. 
all right? But that is a part of fasting. Part of fasting is telling God, uh, metaphorically, that food is the most basic thing. And like David said, he said, I desire you. Even over my daily food, I desire you. What fasting is saying is that whatever in the spirit that's not shifting, I am not trusting my intellect. I'm not trusting what I believe. I'm not trusting my money. I'm not trusting my hookups. I'm trusting God. And the way I'm willing to show it is that everything in my life that feeds me at a core level I'm going to give it away so that God can be my sustainer in this life this is why he asked them what kind of fast did I call did not the fast that I call what was did not the kind of fast that would loose the bounds of wickedness that would unchain the chain that would heal the brokenhearted that is the power of a fast when you fast things that had you locked up are to lose their grip on your life and I prophesy this over this room right now that over the next 21 days there's some stuff that you've been locked in that's gonna lose its grip over your life y'all not talking back to me I'm preaching better than y'all shouting amen somebody raise your voice and give God a shout of praise I said give God a shout of praise now now now, now, pastor, pastor, but what, uh, how will I know that I'm free? Uh, I, do you remember the story of, uh, of Paul and Silas in the inner prison in the book of Acts? Paul and Silas are now in prison, and they have been thrown into the center of the prison. The way that the Romans used to have prisons is they had different tiers of prison. So if you were kind of a guy that was just going to do a weekend stint, you stayed in the outside of the prison. If you were a guy that was going to be there a little bit longer, you stayed in the inner part of the prison. But if you were a guy that was considered a danger to society, they put you in the middle of the prison. So you'd have to maneuver your way past layers of security in order for you to get out. Well, they took Paul and Silas because they said that the preaching of the gospel was dangerous. They threw them in this jail. The Bible says that they blindfolded them and they put them in chains or in fetters. They were in the middle of this jail and the Bible says that they started singing hymns at, 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 in the jail. They started blessing the Lord in, the, in prison. That's something I could probably spend the rest of my sermon preaching about is that uh, uh, I, I want to know, I don't want to know what kind of song you have when you're free. I want to know do you have a praise when you're in a problem. Uh, am I helping anybody in here? I want to know what, what is your hallelujah like when you're in the middle of hell in your life? Do you have a hallelujah in the middle of hell? Do you have a praise in the middle of a problem? Don't tell me you're spiritual when your praise shuts down by your problems. So what happens is they're in the middle of a problem, and the Bible says they're praising the Lord. They're giving God a praise in the middle of their problem. The Bible says, somebody shout the Bible says, that sometime around midnight, the, an, a, an earthquake came and shook the whole jail system. It didn't just shake the jail they were in. It shook the entire system. I wish I was talking to somebody that had a family member on lockdown somewhere. He said, God, he said he shook the whole system of the jail. And all of the jails began to be open. The Bible said that all the jails were set free. Now, all the, the jails, rather, were unlocked. Now, that is not a, that is a miracle on one hand the Bible said that an angel appeared to them and asked them why are you still in this unlocked jail yeah okay y'all missed what he said he said they, because they were free but they never walked in their freedom God help me they were free but they never walked free I'm trying to help you that in the next 21 days God is going to unlock some prison doors that you've been locked into but over the next 340 something days it's your responsibility to walk free you I, I wish I would help Grab your neighbor, tell him you got to walk out of this one. You got to walk out of this one. You got to walk out of anger. You got to walk out of bitterness. You got to walk out of madness. You got to walk out of frustration. You got to, y'all not helping me preach in here. Tell your neighbor you got to walk. You got to walk. You got to walk. You got to walk. Y'all don't love me. I'm walking. Y'all don't support me. I'm walking. Y'all don't have my back. I'm walking. You don't believe in me. I'm walking. You think I can't do it? I'm walking. I'm not going to be set free. It, I'm not going to be in a place where I'm free acting like I'm in prison not when God has given you the ability to walk it out I need somebody to raise your voice and tell your neighbor walk 
That's the wrong neighbor. Find somebody say, walk it out, walk it out, walk it out. Walk it out. Walk out of who don't trust you. Walk out of who don't believe in you. Walk out of who can't be your friend if you're not beneath them. Walk it out. Walk it out. Walk it out. Walk it out. I need you to raise your voice and walk it out. I want you to write these three things down. There are three things that God told me to tell you that he's going to help you reestablish in 2020. He's going to reestablish. Here's the first thing he's going to reestablish. He's going to reestablish your name. Somebody shout my name. Somebody shout my name. Say that loud. Shout my name. One of the problems with us not, uh, with, with life is that we don't understand the power of our names. God, believe, God moves generationally. He operates by the seed. The seed will eventually be attached to a name. When God gets ready to bless, he doesn't bless a person. He blesses the seed, the name that is on that person. What God, your last name means more to you than you have given yourself credit for. I have parents that believed in the power of our last name. And there were moments and times that we would behave and do things that our parents did not just challenge us on the basis of the behavior. They challenged us on the fact that we were not living up to the name that we had that you are a Fletcher and that means something we don't handle people any kind of way we don't talk to people like they're beneath us we don't challenge people with a cold heart we love people and we honor people and we allow ourselves to be used by God and you don't get to be arrogant because you got six people at your church get yourself together watch this not be more godly be a Fletcher I wish I had some help in here. Y'all awfully quiet in this house. The power of a name. And when God got ready to bless his children, he told them that I'm going to give you my name because your name represents the character of the person whose name you have. What happens, God believes in the power of a name so much that when a woman gets married, God asks her to forfeit her name and to take on his name. Now that is not a stripping you of power. What that is doing is bringing you into alignment with the way that God is trying to operate in the earth because the two now becomes one so brother she didn't take your name necessarily God said you got to share the power that's associated in that name and it ain't your name brother it's now y'all's name y'all ain't Okay, I just preached a sermon that some sister ought to give God a shout of praise on. Uh, it's not, you ain't giving me back my name. Don't think that. This is our name now. And the two shall become one. That means that whatever was yours is now his. And whatever was his is now yours. And God says, watch this. There can't be your daddy's last name and his last name because those are two kings. Okay, and whenever kings get in the same domain, there's going to be a war. Y'all are not talking back to me. I'm preaching better. That's why Jesus said that light and darkness can't exist in the same place because the king of darkness cannot be in the same place as the king of light. And he says, so I am the king of all kings. I am the Lord. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. I am the Lord of all lords because when they are in place, there is a war going on. But the light always pushes back the darkness. And when I give up my name, I am not becoming lesser. I am assuming a prophetic space and adding the promise that God gave to me with the promise that God gave to him. And together we walk in the double blessing. A man that finds a wife finds obtains favor. A man that finds a wife found a good thing and obtains favor. A man that finds a wife found a good thing and obtains favor. A man that finds a wife found the addition to help him be walk in double favor I need a wife to nudge your husband real quick and you tell him I am not the sugar on top I am the cake I, I, yeah that's right I'm not your better half I'm the whole God help me in this place I, I'm not your hot sauce on the chips I'm the bag So, I, God's going to restore your name. Somebody shout my name. Somebody shout my name. 
I don't care what your crazy uncle did to make people disrespect your name. I don't care how your mama walked out on you to make people dishonor your name. I don't care what it is that maybe you did to make people dishonor your name. But God said in 2020, I'm going to restore the weight that is associated with your name. God, help me in this place. I feel the Holy Ghost. He said, hold your head up high and put your chest back and be proud to be who I called you to be in this earth because there is no mess up over your life that can stop the prophetic utterance that I put on your name. I need somebody to raise their voice and give God a shout of praise. I got to get out of here. I want you to hear that somebody shout my name, my name, my name, my name matters. The Bible said that your name is better than rubies and gold. And if you understand the power of a good name, the building can be locked out. But if somebody knows your name, you can get into a place that the, they already closed the doors on the strength of your name. Don't look at me like you ain't never been to the club and they just shut the doors on the club. But the bouncers see that it's you and your name gets you into a place that was closed off. God's about to get you in the places that have been closed off, but he's going to restore the weight and the power associated with your name. Somebody shout my name. And you've got to find the right place to let your name go to. Now, there was a story about a little boy. His father was getting ready to die, and his father said, son, I want to give you this watch. And he gives this boy this watch, and this boy is like, wow, this is great. His father said, this, is, this watch is really valuable. He says, so take it down to the pawn shop and ask the man how much he'll give you for it. The boy goes down to the pawn shop with his father's watch, and, and he looks at the, the pawn man looks at the watch, and he says, oh, man, you know, uh, you know, whatever the name on the watch. He says, yeah, I never heard of it. He said, tell, he said, I'll give you $50 for the watch. The boy goes back to his father and he tells his father, hey, the father says, how much did he give you for the watch? He said, the man said he'll give me $50 for the watch. The father said, okay. He said, well, take it down to the watch jeweler and ask him how much he'll give you for the watch. The Bible, or the, the story goes that the young man took the watch down to the, to the jeweler and the jeweler said, oh, I recognize that name. He said, but it's kind of worn on the sides. And it's, he said, look, look, he said, I'll give you $75 for the this watch and the boy went back to his father and told his father he says hey dad his father says how much did he offer you for the watch he said dad the man gave me $75 for the watch he said he'd give me rather $75 for the watch the father said I understand and then the father said take the watch down to the museum and the boy goes down to the museum and he hands it to the museum appraiser and the museum appraiser looked at it and he said oh that name I know that name that's a good name he said, oh, look at all of these dings and these scratches. He said, that means it was made of good material and it could stand the test of time. He says, uh, I'll give your dad a million dollars for this watch. And the boy went back to his father excited and the father said, how much did the man offer you for the watch? He said, the museum said that they'll give me a million dollars for this watch. And the father said, I hope you learned a lesson in understanding value. He said, because you cannot take something that is valuable to you and put it in an environment that will not value what you've been through. Or value the name that's on it. God help me in this place. Because the same things that were destructive that made the one man say $50 and the things that made another man say ah $75 or the exact thing that made the museum man say that this is worth something to me your only responsibility in 2020 is to put your life in an atmosphere that will value your worth I wish somebody I, I'm preaching better than you shouting amen that you'll give your best to something that will value your worth God's going to change they reestablish your name. The second thing he's going to reestablish is your character. Somebody shout my character. God's going to reestablish my character. God, see, the, what has happened is when we put ourselves in bad spaces, is that bad spaces have a tendency to remember the worst of us, to keep you in the bad space. The re See, the way that the devil works is the devil like people that are in misery love misery. People that are in drama love drama. People that hate love hatefulness. So they create an atmosphere. And what they will do with the energy of that atmosphere is almost swallow you up 
and suffocate you and keep you from ever moving out. So they always got to set you straight. They always got to reduce you down to the level that they've chosen to operate in. So when you try to elevate, they got to remind you where they came and found you at. They got to remind you who you used to be. They have to remind you how broke you were. They have to remind you how much you used to run the streets with them. And what happens when you find yourself in a position where you cannot escape that environment, then what happens with our character is our character starts to match the level of our environment. Now, now you better stay with me now because I'm, I'm not a guy and I never was really prone to swearing. That wasn't my thing, even as a young child. That was, even when I got freedom, that wasn't my thing. But by the time I got to college, I had gotten around a group of people that they swore like, they, like we were sailors. And before I realized it, what happened was I enjoyed the environment of the fellowship, but I watched my morality start to dwindle. And things that I never dealt with and would have taken, I was accepting and I was taking them. Consequently, what happens now is people on the outside of my bubble were making character judgments about my struggle within my bubble. God, I'm preaching. And I was as I was struggling in my bubble, they are determining who I am and who I'm not. So I got all of the, oh, look at that football player. Look at that light-skinned dude. Look at that dude that think he not. Look at that guy that. And I got all these characters. And by the time God saved me and changed my life, I was living off of a label of something I hadn't lived in in many years. As a matter of fact, my reputation got to San Diego before I got to San Diego. There was a brother that borrowed my car. He got traded here from another team. I gave him one of my cars. I said, man, rock it out until you get your stuff comes into San Diego. He jumps in my car, and at the time, Kurt Franklin was everything. And Kurt Franklin is playing, and he flips the CD, and Hezekiah Walker's playing. He flips the CD, and Marvin Winding is playing, and he flipped the CD. And so anyway, he kept it on that CD. And he came back to practice, and, and, I was, and he was like, hey, man, I know you know where the club is, and I know where you know all this stuff is. And I was like, bro, I actually don't know where the club is, and I actually don't know where I can find that because I haven't done that in years. And he looked at me, and he said, man, your boy in Baltimore, who was your roommate in college, your boy in Baltimore told me that you would know where all of that stuff is. He said, but when I got in the car, I heard a lifestyle that was different than the lifestyle that you came. Watch this. He said, dude, my bad. I didn't mean to disrespect you by bringing your yesterday to your today. But, uh, God, I, I want you to understand, there are going to be so many people that are going to bring your yesterday to your today. And you've got to know that God has reestablished your character. And you've got to remind people, you might judge me on that, but I am not that. You might have judged me on the fact I did it, but I am not what I did. And shame on you if you want to dictate my future off of a lifestyle that I haven't lived in. Somebody shout, God is reestablishing my character. But you got to walk in it. You got to walk in the newness of who you are. Here's the third thing, and I'm going to get out your space. I, I, God is going to reestablish your finances. I thought I'd get 30 people to shout amen on that. God's going to reestablish your finances. Now, listen to what I'm trying to tell you. God is not reestablishing finances because he's into making people rich. You guys know we don't preach that sermon here. We don't care much for that sermon. But what I do understand is that many of the problems that take place in people's lives could be solved with an extra $1,500 a month. Half the time you at this altar is not over the devil. It's over your dollars. Many other times where you be on your knees snotting and crying and God deliver, God you got to do it, Holy Ghost make it happen. It could be, it could be solved with an extra $700 a month. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I, I'm trying to, I'm, God told me to tell the church that he's going to open opportunities of economic increase in your household. God said there are going to be opportunities for economic increase. I want you to hear what I didn't say. I didn't say if you high-fived your neighbor and turned around five times that you're going to find checks in your mailbox that you didn't earn. I don't know if God's going to do that. But what God did promise is that there are going to be opportunities for you to increase your household through the world, through your hands and through your gift and through favor at your job. And there are going to be 
increase of finances. The number two reason people get divorced is because of economic strife in their household. And you shouldn't let not being able to afford a car be the reason why you're in divorce court. The devil is a liar. God is about to unlock some economic doors for his people and his people are going to live prosperous and not broken every month of their life. I need somebody to give God a shout. I said give God a shout. Focus, focus. I want to. I want to lead you to Proverbs 18. He said a little bit of folding of the arms and a little bit of crossing of the legs, and poverty will creep on you like a bandit in the night. So I'm not telling you to go home and go to sleep and expect God to do it. Cause Pastor said it. God said if you lazy, you won't get this blessing. If you don't like to work, you won't get this next miracle. Y'all are not talking back. But the Bible say that the diligent soul produces increase in his own life. I need some workers. To raise your voice and say, I don't mind grinding when I open doors. Stand to your feet. It's a funny phenomenon. Stand to your feet. It's a funny phenomenon that I, I just got a box from the University of Wisconsin. They brought me like hats and they brought me clothes and brought me all this fresh gear from the University of Wisconsin. I had some friends that sent me shoes and, and I get I get all kind of crazy stuff. And the reality of it is I could buy my own sweatsuit if I want to. And I could buy my own hats if I want to. But the interesting thing is, is that it seems like that overflow only happens to the cup that's full. It, it seems like the people that don't need it are the one that get the extra check. The people that don't need it get the favor. You've got to fill your cup to the brim with what God has busied you on this earth to do. And when people see that you're grinding and can't get over, then they sow into your life. In 2020, you've got to, you've got to bring your vision into focus because provision follows vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Provision follows vision. So what is the vision for your family? What is the vision for your children? What is the vision for your neighborhood? What is the vision for your house? What is the vision? We pray every Sunday. I'm blessed beyond measure. I have more than enough. I wouldn't ask you to pray I've got more than enough if I didn't believe you actually had more than enough. I believe that, that, that our issue is that God brings every, his promise to us that we have daily bread. I've got enough. The issue is not if I have enough, but how am I using what I have? You can't get mad at God because you decided to buy red bottoms, red bottoms instead of paying rent. You just can't be mad at him. You can't be mad. You can't be down at the altar mad and frustrated at God because you had to have that Gucci purse when you should have bought the coach one. They both designer. They both beautiful. They both nice. You swaggy with either one, but one costs twice the price. Y'all not talking back. Y'all not talking back. But God said, I'm going to open doors for financial increase. When the doors open, there has to be better decisions made with the dollars. I'm preaching to myself. There's got to be better decisions made with the dollars. And you're going to watch increase take place. And you're going to see those little scraggly things be taken care of. And it's going to bring peace back into your house. It's going to reduce anxiety and stress every month at the end of the month. Y'all know that end of the month stress? Am I talking to anybody? End of the month stress, that stress that says, boy, I don't have as many days as I got opportunities to make money and rent's coming up and thank God they gave us five day grace period even though he said I gave you three you're going to lie to him and tell him I thought it was five like really I thought it was five I'm going to go back and look at it okay this month but not next month I know the tricks I know the tricks I got people that owe me money I know the tricks I know the trick, boy. We come up with all kind of stuff in the hospital for a month. Like, really? I know what your Instagram said. You're about to set the tone for the next 10 years of your life. I double-dog dare you to stop thinking monthly, daily. I double-dog dare you to stop even thinking yearly. 
What does life look like in three years? What does life look like when your 11-year-old is 14? What does life look like when your 14-year-old is 18? When your 22-year-old is 29 years old? What does life look like when you're no longer a parent, but now you're a grandparent? What is it looking like? What does life look like? What does it look like? And you better put a plan together because God already has a plan. You better have a plan for your destiny because the doors that are open, watch this, the doors that God opens are doors that are set for the destiny that you have chosen to ignore. God is opening doors because he know, he know you're about to be a grandmother next summer. And you're trying to act like your son ain't wild with his. Am I? Am I? You trying to act like you got Mother Teresa as your... And you raised Mother Teresa. And that, are you hearing what I'm saying? I know that, I know, I know we're giggling about that, but that's the reality of the way the Spirit moves. The Spirit doesn't move in the way things should be. The Spirit moves in the way things are going to be. Uh-huh. And if we open our eyes, we're going to see. God's going to restore your name. God's going to restore your character in the eyes of people that matter. And God's going to open up opportunities for there to be new finance in 2018. I prophesy that over everybody in this house. Lift your hands all over this building. Let's go home. Father, I bless you for this word. And God, in, in truth and in reality, I speak strictly on faith. I release strictly what you woke me up in the middle of the night to say. And God, while I know you were talking to me, you are also talking to the seed, my spiritual seed, which is in this room. So I speak it over the lives of everybody in this room that this will be one of the most prosperous years you have had in your life. That this will set the foundation and the new tempo for the way God wants the next 10 years of your life to go. So you better figure it out is that you can't use last year's habits in 2018. God needs you to get up in the morning with purpose. God needs you to move about your day with intent. God needs you to fix stuff that are broken and that needs to be worked on. God needs that to happen in your life in 2020 because it's going to set the foundation for the next 10 years of your journey. Your tempo has to be picked up. Your tempo has to be picked up. Your tempo has to be picked up. Your pace has to pick up. You'll never finish the race where God wanted you if you stay at the pace you're moving at right now. So you don't have time. Write it. Write it. Write it. Put it down on paper and set a plan together so that you and your household can finish what God promised you. And no, it doesn't come easy. 2020 got problems in it, just like 2019 did. If you didn't fix it in 2019, it came with you in 2020. But you can overcome them by the blood of the Lamb. So, sir, ma'am, let this be your release into the next decade of your existence. And I bless you in the name of Jesus. Discern the spirits that are operating in your space. Give way only to that of the Holy Spirit. And allow God to reestablish your name, your character, and your economic destiny. In the name of Jesus, I give you glory and honor. In his name, amen. Amen. Give God a hand. Pray. God bless you. This time next week, fast starts when you wake up in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, our fast will commence. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you.